Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Metadata. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 183 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In our last episode, we wrapped up 2016 with our version of the ESPN Pardon the Interruption show format. It's a fast-paced and fun show, at least I think so, and I recommend it to you if you haven't already listened to it. Another tradition we have on this podcast is launching each new year with our own technology resolutions for the year. Tom, what's all on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we will indeed be sharing our 2017 technology uh, resolutions and giving listeners some advice about selecting and following through on their own resolutions. In our second segment, we're going to discuss some technology technologies that either disappeared or died out in 2016. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. But first up, tech resolutions for 2017. Around this time of year, we usually see all measure of articles uh, on setting goals and resolutions for the coming year, and I think almost the same number of articles about how trying to do that is, uh, is a waste of time. Uh, when it comes to lawyers and technology, however, I think Dennis and I, we have always believed that there is a benefit to improving our relationship with technology, and, and therefore there is merit to setting at least a few goals for the coming year. So in this episode, we're going to share our own resolutions for 2017, and I think give some tips on how you can set your own. Dennis, you are already on record with your 2017 tech resolutions in a, in a roundtable article on the Law Technology Today blog. So I'll ask, are you planning to stick with those resolutions, or are you already hedging your bets or maybe shifting to different ones? You know, I was thinking about this, and because I wrote those resolutions at the beginning of December, so I sort of gives me the opportunity to back away from them. And I might modify them slightly, but I think I'm going to go with them for for a number of reasons, because I, I do think it's the approach I took is one that's interesting to me. And I think that everything that I, I mentioned in that article will still work for me. So I think by picking those, I think it's good. I think it's sort of like an 80-20 thing, because I think you can, one of the ways you fail at resolutions is to keep tweaking them to find the perfect ones. So I think that article has me down for three things, and I think that will actually work for me. And so I think I'm going to stick stick with them, Tom. Does that surprise you? Um, no, it doesn't surprise me. I think that those, and we'll talk about them in a minute, the resolutions that you gave there, and we'll put a link to uh, to the resolutions in there because it wasn't just you giving your technology resolutions, but a number of others from the uh, Legal Technology Resource Center giving some of theirs too. And I, I think it, it always makes for, for good reading. Now, I think, you know, uh, one thing that we also see at this time of year are uh, lawyers trying to predict what's going to happen in legal technology over 
over the coming year and to predict the future of technology. And I think that uh, we tend to focus on resolutions rather than predictions. And I think that the, 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 the simple answer for me is, is that I'm lousy at predictions. I'm lousy at trying to figure out what's going to happen. And so that's why I'm sort of relieved, Dennis, that you at least agree to the resolutions. But I think that the better, the better reason why we do that and why we're going to talk about this today is I really don't think that predictions are very helpful. I think that they're can be they're interesting and I think that they provide some entertainment but I really don't think that they're helpful I think resolutions are designed to help us be better uh, and so when it comes to technology helping us be better with the technology we use can hopefully provide a tangible result at the end of the year so I think that's why I prefer to do the resolutions over the predictions yeah I mean I did predictions for a long time and what I liked about them was that you're totally unaccountable for them and there's like no guilt about them you just sort of threw them out there and then if you were right on some you you might mention it the next year but you just sort of moved on so i I think the resolution things is, is really good because it gives you that sense of accountability and to say okay here's something tangible i want to do and how do i think it through and and for me thomas i as we've done these resolutions over the years, and, and I don't know that we've, we've certainly not been 100% successful ourselves on these, but it's helped me learn a lot about setting goals and approaches and, you know, other things like that that have, have really been helpful as, as well as having me achieve uh, some things. And I think achievability is, is probably the key to, to resolutions. And I think that 2017 technology and, and lawyers, I think I just keep coming back to good old comment eight on that uh, uh, competence rule on the model rules. Uh, and there's an ethics requirement that we understand and keep abreast with technology. And so rather than try to predict everything that's going to be out there and then say, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what to do about it, I think the resolutions approach says, hey, I can pick a couple of things where I actually do keep abreast of technology and improve my competence. Well, I think I agree. I think my approach to resolutions is, um, I think, selfish and self-centered. I, I agree that achievability is is got to be the key to that. I tend to go to re- for resolutions that are going to help me achieve specific things that I want to happen during the year. I'm not going to say something like, for me, it's not helpful to say I'm going to strive to be better at doing this during the year if it's not an, something that is presenting pain for me at this moment. You know, just like I have a perennial lose weight and get in better shape goal. All of my tech goals are designed to address something I know or expect is going to happen during the year, which really helps me better because it's something that I know I need to do and I need to get done. And it's not this kind of amorphous, you know, get better at something that that really, while it's a good thing, it's not very specific or helpful to me. Yeah, so I think there are a lot of different approaches to resolutions. I'm sort of intrigued this year by the either the one word or the three word approach that's, that's sort of become uh, a little bit popular this year, where the idea is that you say, I'm going to pick one word that's my word for the year. And then I sort of uh, do a lot of things designed around that word and to help me kind of put that into it, into effect. And so, for example, last year, I, I think my word really ended up being prune because uh, I like the idea of saying, how can I cut back on things in a good way and sort of take away some of the things that aren't so good and then to kind of 
form and shape what I am doing going forward so I can grow things in, in the right way. And so I have a few ideas. I haven't settled on the word for 2017 yet, but I have a, a couple of good ideas. And so so that's one approach. Um, in the Roundtable article, I sort of took the three-word approach and, and did three themes. There's that approach. And the other the other thing I think can be useful in resolutions is this, this simple uh, just copying other people. So I did want to mention there's uh, in the New York Times personal tech section, uh, Brian Chen wrote an article called Five Resolutions to Simplify Your Tech Life. Things like clean up your password hygiene, maintain your devices, do other things like that. And so I think that you could go to that article any lawyer, any listener, um, and and probably pick out a couple of those, and you'd be in darn good shape on resolutions for this year. No, I, I agree. I might only, and I and I think that that article is a good article. I think that the only reason that that article doesn't really fit with what you and I may be talking about is that some of those resolutions really are broad, like mind your infrastructure or be less wasteful or be a smarter shopper. Those are three of the resolutions. And I agree, those are all great goals to have in mind. Those are all great things to have. But you know, how do you go about doing that? And I think it's so broad. I just think the more specific the goal, the more achievable it becomes. And so, you know, maybe it might make sense to talk about some of our resolutions. I, you know, you said a minute ago that one of the ways to do it is to copy other people. Well, I'm going to copy you, Dennis, and I'm going to use the three-word approach that you used in the Roundtable article. And we'll look at that. And I think you're going to tell us what your three words are, hopefully in a minute. I'll say that my three themes this year are slightly different from yours. Uh, I'm going to say that they are experiment and share and then, like you, learn. Learning is usually the focus that I have on technology, but if we're keeping with this theme, then that's just one branch of the of the themes and the, and the goals that I want to have this year. Yeah, it's, as people know, I love the rule of threes these days. So in the article, you'll see my words for my resolutions are prune, again, because I, I love that concept, uh, master, and then learn. So let me just start with uh, number one, which was was prune. So I, I kind of sketched out what I mean by, by prune. And so in the article, what I really focused on is to say, I have a lot of information that, that arrives automatically to me. And it can be email, email newsletters, RSS feeds, podcasts, all kinds of things that just come to me. I try to stay up with that, but it, it can be overwhelming. It can be daunting. So I want to, one of the things I want to do is to take a look at that and say, and there's a number of approaches I could take, but to first to kind of call it and knock down just the sheer number and then, then maybe take an approach that says, Hey, if I add something, I need to take something out. So that's, you know, one way to do that. And then also say if I'm doing prune, then I can grab some other things that to me would seem to be easy to do. And so, Tom, I think this is something that you've done and recommended me before, but there are services like Gazelle where you say, Hey, look, I'm sitting here and I see like old smartphones and other stuff around the house that we thought we were going to donate, but maybe I can just ship them off to these places and turn them into cash. So that's that's how I play with the notion of prune, where I, where I think it really is to reduce information overload uh, in the sense of the automatic stuff. But I'm going to use that prune idea in other ways with what I'm doing with technology this year. 
my first resolution is experiment, and I will admit freely that it is my one kind of a cheat because it's something that I actually am going to do anyway because I do it all the time, and that is that I am always trying out new technologies, and I think that for any lawyer, trying a new gadget or something that's new, no matter, you know, whether it's a new phone or a new computer or even something, you know, small and and manageable, just, you know, a $30 little tiny gadget to use. Trying out something new is a good way to make yourself comfortable with technology. And I, so I'll make the announcement here. I think I have decided to go back to a Windows desktop for my home computer. I've used an iMac now for the past three years and I love it. I love working on an Apple computer. Um, But I also will say that Apple hasn't really done much to update its desktops. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in the B segment. They're kind of not doing a lot with their whole desktops. They're they're focusing on laptops. And so I'm going to actually go out and get one of the Surface Studio desktops and, and, and play around with that this year. I now have both an Alexa, excuse me, an Echo, and a Google Home, and I'm going to play with both of those and figure out about voice commands and which does a better job of dealing with them and and how they're different and how they're the same. Um, I'm hoping that some new iPads come out this year to look at those. I I typically get a new phone each year because I like what Android is doing and I want to see what's going on. And then I'm going to be playing a lot with uh, one of the nice things that I got as part of buying my Google phone this year was I got one of the uh, Google Daydream headsets for virtual reality and I I want to learn more about that and try more of it and so I'm going to be experimenting with that a little bit more this year so that's uh, that's my first resolution okay so my second falls into the word I want to use is master or, or mastery and so this is the notion that I want to pick something this year where I, I go deep in so, so this is something I'm already pretty familiar with but I I want to really feel like I'm beyond the surface and go really deep and have some kind of expertise here. And so the things I think about, and they fall into two categories. So one is Slack, which I'm really fascinated by and Tom and I use, and that's a collaboration tool. I think it's so popular. I think it'd be great to really understand the features and to use them and to become sort of a a master at it and to have real depth in in what I know. So that's the sort of tool mastery. The other thing I'm thinking about is an area of technology which which I know uh, actually a lot about, but would like to really feel that I've I've got it and can explain it well to people. And that's, that's blockchain, which is one of the hot technologies out there. So those are the two things. The other thing that's, I think, potentially really interesting to me is is at work, I think I'm going to be getting the Surface Pro 4 kind of edging into Tom's world a little bit. And one thing that excites me is that that may give me the the opportunity to use OneNote as the the place that I decide to target for for mastery. But that the idea is to pick one thing, maybe two things, where I really have some depth, where I feel like well, I, you know, I'm, I'm really strong on, on this category. So for me, my second resolution is share. Um, and I guess that's probably another, just my one word uh, way to say that I'm going to, I guess, be more social. You know, in the past, when I learned something about technology, I love to share it with other people. That's why, you know, initially I, I really enjoyed and like using social media to share that. I haven't been as good at, at it as I have in the past. And I want to change that in the coming year. So my share goal is really, really three or four pronged approach, which is one, well, 
I'll say first, uh, the first way that we're going to share is that uh, Dennis and I are working on a new edition of our collaboration tools book that we hope to have out uh, in 2017 at some point. So we'll be sharing with you kind of our updates on collaboration tools. I say this now, and I hope that I'm not saying this in an unserious way, but uh, I, I need to ramp the blog back up again. I need to do more posts than I have been doing, and I need to get back in that in a good habit of doing that, not where it's taking over my life, but where I'm, I'm sharing information in a way that feels comfortable and right for me. And that also means sharing information on social media as well, kind of as the outposts to my blog. And then I think finally, the last way that I'm really excited about, and not sure if Dennis, you're going to be involved in this or not, but I know something that I definitely want to do during this year is to, to put together um, some type of tech news roundup uh, that we do, uh, whether it's uh, whether it's on our own, whether it's with our friends at Legal Talk Network, or however that winds up happening, I definitely want to uh, to go out there and do something more, a different kind of a podcast that's a shorter form, something that gives a slightly different uh, set of information than we give on this podcast, but it still is sharing things that lawyers need to hear about technology. So the last point is interesting to me, Tom, because one of the things I'm considering doing and in, in part of my res- non-tech resolution is I really sort of got to like this notion of personal quarterly offsite. And so I'm going to do another one at the beginning of the year. And I'm, I'm also intrigued by this start, continue, stop exercise. So Tom, you'll be pleased to know that that new little podcast is on my chart of uh, the start projects. So it's definitely definitely something that that I'm willing to go forward with. So we'll just have to see how that's going to work. But my my third resolution area, the word is is learn. And so as opposed to master, learn is something where I feel like I don't know much of anything, but I, I want to learn something new. This year, I just want to do something technical. So I've two ideas here. So one is to to actually, there's a lot of talk about what, whether lawyers need to learn to code. And as I, I look into things, I see that sort of like the, maybe not the easiest, but sort of the, the most popular and maybe the easiest way to learn is, is using a language called Python, which is also a scripting language. And there's some things that I'd like to play around with just kind of automating on my own and, and to learn a language. So so looking at Python and maybe doing a little learning of it, and I have some some resources already. Uh, one of the things I do, Tom, I can't remember whether you also do this, is uh, I have the, uh, the Great Courses Plus from the teaching company, and there's a whole class or course on Python, and so that's in my queue to do that. So that's one thing. The other thing is a machine learning program or application called TensorFlow that Tom and I have talked about in the past. This is sort of in the Google family of of apps. And I'm really intrigued by that because it seems like it's something I can learn. And I also have some people who are willing to give me access to some uh, some data that I could actually work with to try this stuff in, in a very simple way. So those those would be the the two things when when I say learn, and then obviously if I if I get the Surface Pro four, that will also fall into the learn category because I haven't used a, a Windows tablet I guess ever. Well, you, you know, in the sense of the Surface, I have not used the Windows tablet, so that will get me kind of firmly back into the new Windows world and in the tablet area, and it makes me excited as I said about OneNote again. 
and my third resolution, like I said before, is also learn. But, you know, I, I actually sort of think of my learn category more as Dennis thinks of his master category, or at least somewhere in between, um, because I tend to choose things that I'm actually going to use in my job and do it more than something that I may or may not use, where I think that that coding, I think, is useful, but probably something I would not be doing on a regular basis. So what I've chosen, uh, one of them is more by necessity, and it's for work purposes. At work, and we had a podcast on this a couple of uh, weeks ago, or last month, on change management. And uh, for our change management projects, we do a lot of training content. And uh, many corporations have some sort of learning management system that trains their employees. And and because of that, um, just creating PowerPoint slides or keynote slides isn't going to cut it. They need something that's going to be compatible with their learning management system. And there are a couple of content creation tools that help to do that. And so uh, I've, I've used one in the past called Articulate. Um, and now I'm going to spend time looking at Adobe's tool, which is called Captivate. And I'm going to look at that starting really right now because we're working with a company that uses it and wants to use that for their training content. The thing that for both for work purposes and for personal reasons, I really want to learn to use better are the kind of ancillary tools that Microsoft offers as part of its Office 365. Um, so I'm thinking of Planner, which I think we've talked about before on the podcast, Sway, which is a different way of presenting uh, information, um, the new Microsoft Teams, which is Microsoft's version of Slack. Um, I'm intrigued by that primarily because it offers a lot of the same functionality, but all of its features are free to use for people who are on the same Office 365 account. So it's designed for for offices that are, have it. And I don't have to, uh, that's my one complaint about Slack is that we can't use it for free with, with larger teams outside of work. The best thing really is that Microsoft is, I think, always updating and improving these tools. So there's always going to be something new to learn. So I, I'm really looking forward to, to doing that over the years, kind of keeping up with what they're doing and, and hopefully becoming a lot more fluent with what these tools can do. Yeah, so I think this is a good stopping point in a, in a way, Tom, to say these are what's out there. It sounds like we're both being pretty ambitious, and I know that we have other things that we do as a matter of course. I think that we're both doing like the 52 books in 52 weeks challenge, and, and there's some other things that it seems like I just do as a matter of course every year. So resolutions as you say some people think they're ridiculous some people think they're really worthwhile i just i study it and you know so part of what i do at the beginning of year is to to see different approaches and what might work which is why the one word three word type things have started to make sense to me but but i think the thing is what can you do to increase the achievability and so i think partially it's good selection and then then you touched on this this earlier time which i really feel is important and when i use the learning examples i think you have to have either a problem that you're trying to solve or a project that you want to do. And my two examples there are, I think, perfect because if I want to learn how to do like a little bit of coding, if I don't have a project or I don't have something I'm going to do, I, you know, it's, it's so theoretical that, that I'm never going to get around to, 
to doing that. TensorFlow on the you know simple machine learning. Once I found somebody who was offering up a data set that I actually could play with a little bit, then that sort of seems you know I don't know whether I'll get the time to do it or you know that sort of thing. But at least it makes it doable because I can say oh I can see a project because given what's in that data set, I can think of something that I could try to pull out of that and then in that way learn it. So I think that increasing the odds that you'll achieve it is is good. And then uh, then it really does come down to how do you make it happen? What gives you accountability? Uh, how are you going to bother yourself uh, to do that? Can you do it on your own? Do you need reminders from people? Do you need to do what Tom and I do, which is we did, or we tried to do this year's halfway through the year uh, public on the podcast, kind of check in on how well we were doing on our resolutions. So, you know, look at a number of strategies along those lines. I think that that making your goal something that addresses a big pain in your life or in your practice is a good way to kind of help with achievability. But I think in terms of getting started, I think that having a goal that's small, taking small steps and using the momentum to move on to others is a really good way. Is don't don't try to tackle a big problem. You know, have a resolution or a goal that's small and you know, take the satisfaction of achieving something to help move on to other things. But, you know, if your goal is a big one, then just uh, break it down into smaller steps. You know, big goals, I think, can seem overwhelming, um, which is, I think, why a lot of New Year's resolutions fail from the get-go. So, you know, break it down into smaller steps and that, uh, you know, I, I don't know that we're the, the best people to advise on motivation or that sort of thing, but I think that that's one way to, to get things done is to start small and build on those achievements. Yeah, and I, I think you you need to learn what motivates you and and to what you find yourself accountable to. And so for me, what I found is I so I use uh, OmniFocus as my sort of global to do list. And so what I do on the resolution types things or our goals is I have them come up you know once a week, once a month. Um, you know I've broken them into into different pieces and and I have them recur. Um, so I get reminded of that. So even the thing where, uh, which I actually achieved my weight goal this year, but part of the thing was that every week in OmniFocus, it came up as a reminder what my target was. And, you know, so, so I think that that can be a good way to do it. I know there's people who write things on their bathroom mirror. There are people who carry around their resolutions or goals in their wallet. But I, I think it's sort of, once you start to look at the research that's been done with on habits and goals and those sorts of things, then I think it can give you some ideas to really help you follow through on all of these things. And we look forward to hearing what your resolutions are. If you want to share your resolutions with us, uh, we might talk about it in a B segment or follow up at some point during the year. Just uh, uh, shoot us an email at tcamreport at gmail.com or send us a tweet. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsor. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. 
And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. So Tom forwarded an email from Product Hunt that mentioned technologies that died or disappeared in 2016. At the end of 2016, believe me, my social media feeds were full of people lamenting what they felt was a massive wave of celebrity deaths in 2016. I guess that uh, people probably didn't feel the same way about technologies that died in 2016 as they did about celebrities. And I did notice that email was not on the list of technologies that died, unfortunately. But we thought we might take a few minutes to to reflect on the passing of some technologies that once seemed to hold a lot of promise uh, to people. I have to admit that I, I now can't get the Jim Carroll song, People Who Died, out of my head. So, Tom, do you want to get us started on tech that died in 2016? Sure. Well, some of these are familiar and some of them are less familiar. So I wanted to really focus on the ones that some of you may have heard of. I think uh, one of the tools that I know I wanted to use and tried to use before it died was Sunrise, which is a smart calendar app that was for both iOS and Android. But I think what is the Sunrise user's loss is Outlook's gain. Outlook purchased Sunrise. They retired it. Um, they have been slowly rolling out functionality that was in Sunrise. And so I, I think Outlook has become a much better product as a mobile email and calendaring app because of Sunrise. So I'm, I'm pleased about that. We talked about the app Meerkat a couple of years ago as being one of the first new uh, live stream video tools uh, where you could live stream to people People where you happen to be at a concert or a speech or anywhere in public that you wanted to live stream. Live streaming and, and has really taken off since then, and Meerkat has died a slow, unfortunate death. Uh, I'm sad about that. Um, also sad to see that the Pebble smartwatch is something that actually also died uh, this year. That's one of the first smartwatches to come out. For many people, it was their favorite, and sad to see that go. A number of Apple products died this year. I think that the MacBook Air, the 11-inch MacBook Air died this year, and I'm waiting for the 13-inch to go. I, I tend to think that Apple is doing away with its MacBook Air product. Um, they did away with their whole wireless router division, so they're not doing that anymore. Um, you know, when they introduced the new uh, MacBook Pro this year, they don't have the MagSafe power connectors anymore, although there are some tools that can help you get around that. And, and like I mentioned before, I, I'll be really interested to see what they do with their desktop updates this year because they just don't seem to be as interested in, in doing that. Last two things that died are really more personal to me. Two apps that uh, either died or stopped being supported this year were two of my favorites. One was the breaking news app uh, that NBC purchased a while back. It was actually, despite the fact that it was purchased by a news network, it was completely independent, and it really just reported breaking news from all over the world that people uh, put up on news sites or that were headlines. There was no fake news there. It was just a straightforward reporting of all sorts of breaking news all over the world. It was really what I used every day to keep up with what was going on. If I wanted to dive deep, I could go and look at the article, but otherwise I just had the headlines. I'm sad to see that go. Apparently uh, they couldn't keep up with it without uh, advertising and they decided not to, to go with the advertising. The last thing that I'm really sad about is that my RS reader of choice for the iPad, Mr. Reader, uh, stopped being supported. The, the developer uh, this year decided it just wasn't worth keeping up with, and he stopped developing it. Um, I have made the slow, uh, painful decision to move on to another RSS reader. I thought it was one of the best out there. I'm sad that it's gone. But you know, change happens, and we uh, move on from that. Dennis, I've been talking a lot. Anything that uh, on the list that died that you want to talk about? 
Yeah, there were a couple of things. So one was the New York Times Now, which is probably the only technology or software or app that I've heard my wife like lament when it disappeared this year. So she really liked that. And, and I think that a lot of people liked that approach, that app from the New York Times. There's another one I thought was one of the sad case. So we've seen a lot of bad behavior on social media, but I think what happened to Microsoft's Tay project is probably one of the worst cases. So this was a chatbot. It was based on artificial intelligence. Clearly this is technology that's coming and it got put out on social media and people just abused the heck out of it and uh, just turned it into a bad experiment in a lot of ways. I mean, we'll, we'll learn from it. So, sort of the death of these technologies sort of points to new things. But the Tay story was a, a little bit of a sad one because we humans were a little bit tough on the, the AI chatbot there. The other one I think is really interesting that we talked about, Tom, is the potential death of the headphone jack. Because I'm really liking Bluetooth headphones. And uh, I, I got to admit, I don't have the AirPods yet, uh, but I I think I got to have them. So, so I, again, it's something may die, but, uh, some new things come along. And I think this is an interesting topic is how fast the cycle is becoming, you know? So it seems like as we move through these technologies, we can move through them really quickly. And so you have to be alert. You have to be able to move quickly, land on your feet when something that you're used to, um, goes away because it can't happen. So now it's time for our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation. You can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. So I have, um, th- there have been a number of, of stories and articles uh, about whether or not the iPad can actually, the new iPad Pro can, can actually serve as a laptop replacement. And I've always been a firm believer that it probably can't, or at least it can't for me. David Sparks and Katie Floyd at uh, the Mac Power Users podcast did a great episode in December on the iPad as a laptop replacement. And I think they really go through all of the main issues that if you really want to move to the iPad as a laptop replacement, they, they're the issues you really need to think about to see, does it matter to you? Do these things matter to you? And I think that's really the answer is it really depends on what use you make of a laptop in general. I couldn't get away from certain types of software that just aren't available or aren't available the same way in an iPad. But I think that they do a great job of laying out the pros and cons and the, the, the different things you need to think about if that's ever something you want to do. And uh, I, I want to return to the topic of, of bots for my parting shot. So I, I think there's a consensus out there as people predict what is going to be hot this year and certainly what became hot at the end of last year that bots, so chat bots and the relationship with the AI and, and these bots inside other f- programs like Slack have become really important. So O'Reilly uh, has a number of podcasts, and one of them is about bots. And so there's a terrific episode that's uh, called 2016 Bots Year in Review that I think really brings you up to speed on what's happening in the world of bots. So totally worthwhile podcast. And one of the things that, that also mentioned it was because it was mentioned that podcast is a, a communication or messaging app called Kick. KIK, which also uses bots in an interesting approach. And this podcast, the uh, the people on the podcast were recommending that everybody get on Kick, and I gotta say they they convinced me. So I'm uh, that's something else I'm gonna gonna try this year. 
Well, you and all the cool kids, Dennis, that's uh, definitely a millennial tool that people are using. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site, where you can find archives of all of our previous podcasts. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please email us at tcamreport at gmail.com or send us a tweet. I'm at Tom Mile, and Dennis is at Dennis Kennedy. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. Help us out by telling a couple of your friends and colleagues about the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.